Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 423 of Longbox Heroes. This is Joe, joined by Todd. Todd, how you doing today? That's my name, and I'm doing good. Not Ray J. Johnson? No, but you could call me Todd, or you could call me Todd, or you can call me Todd. That got old really quick. I was shocked when I learned that Ray J. Johnson wasn't even his name. That was like his gimmick name. What? You're telling me someone didn't use their real name at their business? That's right. And you were shocked by that? That sounds legit. I certainly was, and I still am shocked. Mm-hmm. But we actually have a ton of stuff to talk about this week, so enough dilly-dallying out of you, Todd. All right, no dally-dillying either. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when is the joke enough at Marvel, Todd? And we'll get into that a little bit here. <laughs> Uh, what does DRM-free mean? I'll explain it to Todd. I was going to say, I hope you will. And those DC Walmart exclusive comics has finally button-hooked us. Mm, Todd was right. Well, let's not go crazy. (laughs) Let's not put a hashtag in front of that just yet. (laughs) Okay. And uh, a comic from a new up-and-coming publisher that speaks directly to me. Oh, good. Uh, all this, conventions this weekend, there's a few, uh, and, well, we'll get into that during convention time. Uh, free digital sa- free digital books and sales, what we read this past week, which is Batman Secret Files number one, and Tony Stark Iron Man number five. Mm-hmm. What we're looking forward to coming out this week, a look over at Todd's Art Attack, and discussion of the most recent episodes of Legends of Tomorrow, The Flash, and Doctor Who. It's wig o'clock again already, almost. Well, we'll get into that here as well. (laughs) I can't wait. So I think the real lead story that we'll get the most uh, juice out of, if if you will, uh, is those Walmart books that DC Mm. is putting out, those 100-page giants that were mostly reprints with some limited new material in them. Right. Uh, these books that I've yet to see at my local Walmart, if they're there, they're doing a real good job of hiding them. Uh, I bet you I know where they are, but... Tell I... me. Tell me where they should be. Okay. This is where I've always seen them in every Walmart I've been to. The one that I've been to is, uh, does your Walmart have two entrances? Yes. Okay. And in between all those entrances are all the checkout counters, right? Yes. Well, in one of those checkout counters, is there, like, a weird aisle of, like, collectibles? Like, that's where they keep the magic cards, and they'll have a few Funko Pops there, and they'll have some other stuff like baseball cards. And That's usually where it is. There's one aisle somewhere between those two checkout uh, aisle uh, entrances that there's an aisle there that has all that stuff. You mean the aisle where the Pokemon cards are? Yeah, you should go right there. You know, the aisle where my kid lives at when we go to Walmart? Right, but you're so focused on the Pokemon cards, you don't have any peripherals. Nope. I go up and down that whole aisle, because, like, the the first part of the aisle is all your collectibles, like your baseball cards, your Magic, your Yu-Gi-Ohs, your Pokemon, and then the other part of the aisle 
is all your as-seen-on-TV nonsense. Oh, the brass uh, frying pan. Right, the brass deep air fryer and all that jazz. I want an air fryer, by the way, but But I go up and down that whole aisle, and there's nothing there. I go in the back by the video games, and even over by the video games, I sometimes trick my kid into going over by the books. Comic (laughs) books, books, they're not over there. And then we go to the toy aisle, not the toy aisle. Okay, now here's a weird question. Have you thought about asking anyone? Oh, have you thought about talking to an employee at one of those places? There, that's the, that's where you go, you know, when all, all the other jobs are just, you can't handle them because they're beneath you. You go to Walmart. Now, listen, I, I want to preface this. I'm kidding. Walmart pays their employees well. Um, it's just, mm-hmm. I don't like interactions with anyone. Whether well, they, a, whether you're an employee at Walmart or the president of a Fortune 500 company and all points in between. That's right. Even though that they're paying them so well that they're getting rid of cashiers at Walmarts all across the country. Well, they're doing that at every place where you could buy stuff, but that's nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So in the most recent Batman 100-page giant number four, uh, there is a, uh original story involving a brand new character who I didn't know was going to be in the new Young Justice book until this told me. And I didn't know that they were going to be in the new Young Justice book. And I didn't know they were appearing in the Batman number four Walmart 100 pager until I got an email today. (laughs) So immediately after getting that email, I got in my truck and went up to Walmart and found uh, a Batman number four, Batman number four and a number three, because that's the first part of the story. Oh, it's a multi-part story. Yes, those first, all the books, the first books had two-part stories, two 12-page stories, and now at least the Superman and the Batman are going to be like the like 10-part stories or something like that, which would be uh, 10 12-page stories, um, and they're really long, and the Superman one's a Tom King, and the Batman one's a Brian Michael Bendis story. Right, so where we're beating feet around here is it is the first appearance of Ginny Hex, the great-great-great-granddaughter of uh, Jonah Hex. Hmm, a character someone on this show likes, I think. Now, I will ask this. Obviously, this is her, you know, introduction to the DC Universe. I have a million questions for you regarding this being the Jonah Hex fan much longer than me, of course. Not unlike your lengthy fandom of Daredevil. (laughs) Right. Uh, Still haven't watched any of season three yet. Soon. So good. Soon. I got this six-hour podcast to listen to about the AWA back in 1974. That might take precedence. And you have other podcasts about actors to listen to. But anyway. Anyway. So, uh, what are your thoughts and feelings on them introducing a girl, Jonah Hex? I have no problem with it because it's a descendant, so I'm I'm 100. It's not like they gender swapped Jonah in the old west. It's and you know it's part of the it could be part of the story now. He had a he had a wife um, who ended up le- leaving him, who was named Mei Ling. She was a Chinese woman, you know, and he got into a lot of scraps because of that. Because you know, like 1800s white guy marrying a Chinese woman. He ended up they having a son with her. That was in the comics. And she ended up leaving him because his life, 
she asked him to to leave that life of like gunslinging and bounty hunting and killing people but it always showed up on his doorstep like literally on his wedding day somebody called him out to like draw down and then while his kid was being born he went into town to get supplies and had to kill somebody and came back and after a while she was just like you know what enough of this I'm leaving. So she left with the son. And then years later, he met the son and the son was trying to tell him that he had a grandson, but he wanted nothing to hear about. He's like, you'll better be better off never talking to me. And he's like, but I have something to tell you. He's like, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you're better off not talking to me. And he walks away and he's like, you have a grandson. And somewhere, Jimmy Palmiotti, and I don't remember what issue it was, hinted that he had a great-grandson that was a detective in Gotham during, like, the... I don't remember now. I'm just going to throw out years. 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s. I know that casts a wide net, but I can't remember where it was. I'd have to go through every issue, because I think he was setting something up and then never got to finish, like, to ever tell that story, if you know what I mean. So they kind of did establish the son the grandson, maybe a great-grandson, and now this is the great-great-great-granddaughter or whatever, so I'm, I'm completely fine with it. Any other now, questions? Yes. <laughs> so if she becomes a big hit, recurring character, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and she starts murdering people, do those count toward executions? No. No. Because... Uh, I do think his son may have killed someone, and I know his wife probably did at some point, and I don't know if she you would count her because she'd get the hex name by marriage. I don't count them as, as kills. I count them only as the people Jonah has uh, sh- uh, shucked off this mortal coil, if you know what I mean. It's not a family affair. It's a one-person affair. Listen, when if a famous football player has a son who goes into football and the son gets a touchdown, do we give them to the father or do we give the father's touchdowns to the son? No, they're separate. Joe. Maybe I'll do a executions part two electric boogaloo. There you go. Jimmy. That's that's what I'm wondering. Right. And also in case you're wondering uh, Virginia slash Ginny was Jonah's mother's name. Oh, okay. Who was a lovely mother who abandoned him to go off with a, a with a traveling salesman named George Dazzleby, I think, which is a great name. And she left him, and when the when she tried to bring the kid along, the salesman was like, no, leave him with the abusive drunken father. And she was like, okay. So, like, he had some really good parents. So now, even more so, if it wasn't on your list, I'm sure young the Young Justice book will be on your list since she's in there. Yes, and I'm worried because Brian Michael Bennis is writing all those those uh, young books, not just the Young Justice, but the Zan and Jaina and all that other stuff. If she's going to bop around, like, that's going to be, like, the character that connects them. Because now it'll be wherever she appears, I'll pretty much pick up. So, I have to keep an eye out. It's not, well, it's not like I've got to buy Asriel or anything. It's right. just Ginny, Ginny Hex. Right. So, uh, that's DC Marvel uh, announced over the weekend that they are doing a book entitled Old Man Quill. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up in 2019. Now, Todd, if you're familiar, this is a uh, play off the book Old Man Logan from several years ago, which is shortly turning into Dead Man Logan, which right. spawned the Old Man Hawkeye book, 
which is so good. And even had some of the PP taken out of it by DC by doing a, a run called Old Lady Harley. <laughs> right. Now, the writer of this is Ethan Sachs, who's writing the current Old Man Hawkeye book. To which I ask you, Todd, is this the beginning of the Old Man universe? Totally. Not totally unlike t- the new universe from the 80s, which was supposed to replace the regular Marvel universe. Remember that that was their idea? Oh, yes. I remember that. The pit. <laughs> they blew up Pittsburgh because that was where Joe Schuster, uh, uh, Schuster, Schuster lived. Not Schuster. Uh, Shooter. Jim Shooter. Because they were mad at him. They, so they blew up his hometown. But didn't we kind of already have this with all those like miniseries and one shots of the end? Where it's like, here's the last story of someone, like the Punisher, uh, Daredevil, this, that, the other one. Now, are, although, is the old man universe at Marvel essentially going to be their answer to DC's, was it Black Mirror? It's not Black Mirror. Black Mirror is the Black channel. Label. Black Label, where they're going to retcon a bunch of stuff that like, oh yeah, Kingdom Comes always been a Black Label book. We just <laughs> didn't know it until now. That all no. those the end books are going to become old man books? No, because all those uh, end books contradict each other. Oh. Like, not that they contradict, like, it was Wait, just like, hell. There's a there comic were... that contradicts another comic out there? That's right. I even tried to do all the stuff that contradicts the other stuff. But <laughs> with those end comics, it was like, just tell, like, the final story of the Hulk. Peter David did a great one with the, the Hulk, the end. And then the Punisher, the end. And Thanos, the end. But... They didn't, uh, they were just one story for wherever that character was at time and continuity. Like from here out, this is where it goes. And then they die or that's the last story ever. So they couldn't, you couldn't cross those over. But with the old man story, this is now their universe where you had old man Hawkeye or old man Logan and now just tell various stories of characters in this universe. And that's what this is, if if you get what I mean. That's the way I look at it. It's going to be the same way Secret Wars, Civil War, Crisis. It's going to be a brand at Marvel now. And it's just going to be give me random characters and throw old man or woman in front of it. Yeah, I think once DC did the goof on it with the Harley Quinn book, I think that's when they should have said, nah, we're done. You know, let's not beat this into the ground any further. Or they went... Can we make some more money off of this? Yeah. Cha-ching. Okay. That's what I'm saying. The old man is going to become its own universe. And oh my goodness. And this is what we're asking. We're going to get all the old man characters or woman characters. And that's going to be your next big fall crossover. Old versus young. Why not? Gay like that. Oh, old man civil war. (laughs) Wasn't that just the actual civil war? The North versus the South? Well, yes, everybody had a beard and, you know, they sent letters to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I could see that. It'd be like, get, you know, the, the, the young, because heroes have to fight. We all know that. You can't have heroes fight villains anymore. All big events have to be heroes versus heroes. So you have the old man characters come back in time to our era and fight the, the young up and the young whippersnappers. It's young whippersnapper <laughs> Logan versus old man Logan. Isn't old, uh, I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, isn't old Logan already old enough the way it is? But I don't know what's going on. He's he's middle-aged Logan <laughs> right now. 
<laughs> he's got a Corvette and a, and a young girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to read that book. So uh, we also have some image news as well uh, included in here. Uh, image is rolling back uh, in February. They're DRM-free stuff with the digital comics that you sell. Uh, outside of Marvel and DC, and I'm sure there's a few other publishers, but Marvel and DC being the two biggies, if you buy the book digitally, you could only read it through the one platform. And that's however you purchased it. Uh, DRM, DRM is digital rights management. That means when it's DRM free, if I download it here, I could read it here or there or anywhere I want. Mm -hmm. uh, essentially what that is with comics is, when you would purchase a book through Valiant or Image or IDW or any number of other publishers, Archie, right on down the line, pretty much everyone but Marvel and DC, you buy it, you could read it through the device that you purchased it through, and it gives you the option to do a backup of it, which is essentially downloading a PDF of it that right. you could store and move to other devices. Cool, okay. Image is no longer doing that. Uh, and it's funny because Image is the one that kind of started doing it mm -hmm. and led the way for other publishers to follow them, and now here they are that they're going back on it, which is completely understandable, um, I'm sure, for a variety of reasons, but it's just they send out a thing to their customers, mailing list type people, uh, that it's like, this is an email alert, uh, they're saying that from November to the first week of February, you could still purchase your, pa you could still access your past stuff. Uh, but after February 3rd, anything that you've purchased previously can only be accessed through where you purchased it through. Okay. So you think it has anything to do with uh, piracy? Absolutely. 100%. Oh. That's what it is. Okay. I didn't know. I was taking a swing and figured that's what it was. Yeah. So... It's a chain, and that's and just like Image was the ones who, excuse me, started that, uh, and had a bunch of other publishers follow behind it. Them rolling it back is probably going to see other publishers roll it back as well. I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Last but not least, uh, we have news of the burgeoning comic uh, imprint Vault Comics. Uh, I'll be honest, a company kind of underneath uh, our purview, as it were, but they do have a bunch of stuff out there. Of course, a lot of comic book properties, not just Marvel and DC, are being picked up by a variety of things. Uh, they have a book at Vault called Heathen, which has already been optioned into a film. Another book called Failsafe, which is getting a Netflix deal uh, with Michael B. Jordan attached to be involved with it. So, you know, they're one of these up-and-coming books. I don't know if they're top ten yet, like Valiant, but they're getting there. <laughs> I was going to ask, were they numbered? <laughs> I don't know. Um, th but I think they're making big moves, of course. And they also just announced that, much like DC, they are doing a separate imprint of young adults and what they're calling middle-grade readers book under an imprint called Myriad. And one of the books that were announced for it is by one of my favorite creative teams of all time, Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover, uh, who have done the book Bandette, uh, amongst other things, separately and together. But they're doing a book called Rassel Castle, which I'm shocked is something as a title that no one has picked up before. 
Me and too. The way this reads, it's essentially Harry Potter, but instead of wizards, it's wrestling. <laughs> okay. You're and, a wrestler, Harry. <laughs> See, yeah, there you go. And Hagrid's already like a big burly guy. They can get Bronny uh, Strowman to play him. Oh, yes. You're dream booking this, Joe. Right. So, you know, the girl, the lead girl, she wants to join the Rassle Castle, but her parents won't let her. So she's secretly training. Uh, then her brother, who is at the school, gets framed for a crime that he didn't commit. Or no. maybe he did. And then the only way that she could find out whether he did or did not is that she has to enter and win the Grand Wrestling Tournament. Ooh, sounds sounds riveting. And again, you joke, but uh, Colleen Coover, Paul Tobin, their book Bandette is one of my favorite books. Uh, I'm glad to see this book getting made. Uh, I'm surprised that they're not doing it at Dark Horse, which is where they do a majority of their creator-owned stuff. Uh, but I'm excited to check this book out. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention it here on the show, because it's uh, ticking a whole bunch of my buttons. I know, and I'm I'm actually looking at this one, and all joking aside, not trying to, to kick the legs out from under your rassle castle. What? The one, the the bonding book that I saw that is also coming out from this thing is the one that, 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 uh, that grabbed me. It's a... A man, a woman, and their parasites. Marcus has been alone since the loss of his closest friend, and he has just recently entered the dating scene, while Laura has drifted in and out of relationships since high school. They meet and strike up a good rapport, learning about each other, friendship, and how to deal with the slug-like parasites that have affected humanity. Bonding is a funny, quirky, and honest look at love in a world where people wear their anxieties, not on their sleeves, but on their chests like a big old leech. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of want to read that. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm all for lots of fun, lots of different books. I hope they get a good distribution deal that mm-hmm. they get in bookstores, libraries, stuff like that, where younger readers will have an easier chance of getting their grubby mitts on them. Yay. So that's what we got in news. Let's get over to conventions uh, this weekend. There's a bunch all over the United States, and this is a point where I can uh, criticize. A lot, a lot of comic book podcast or a lot of conventions happening this weekend. A lot of them have sites that aren't compatible with Uh-oh. Internet Explorer, Firefox, Chrome. Their their sites are just a mess. So I'm not jumping through a whole bunch of things to get these done. These are what we got for this week. <laughs> we got the Rocky Mountain Con, uh, not to be confused with Rocky Mountain Thunder in Denver, Colorado. Larry Hama is the guest of honor there. Uh, there is the Grand Rapids Comic Con in Grand Rapids, Iowa. Uh, it's a good mix of comics folk like Kevin Eastman and Mike Grell and media types like Walter Koenig and John Ratzenberger. Ooh, he's been on all the Pixar movies. He certainly has. The North Carolina NC Comic Con in Durham, North Carolina. This is your more comic book convention. And this is a biggie. Uh, the aforementioned Becky Cloonan and Paul Tobin are going to be there. John Lehman, Jeff Lemire, Jeff Parker, James Robinson, Ben Sears, Robert Venditti, and tons more are going to be at that one. Zero to no media guests that I saw pop up. Um, and then there's the Celebrity Fan Fest in San Antonio, Texas. Mm-hmm. Jason Momoa is going to be there. 
He can't go there. He's Aquaman. It's very dry there. <laughs> I'm, as long as he cares about a glass of water, I think he's going to be okay. Uh, a spritzer. <laughs> and also at that convention, Todd, mm-hmm. making what I think is his first ever convention appearance. You don't know that, but go ahead. Ben Affleck? No, he's been at other ones, hasn't he? I don't know. Wasn't that that big one where they had all the Justice Leagues? Or was that the only one character that wasn't? That was the one where it was like everyone but him. Oh, he was too busy Afflacking. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I would only ask, if you are going to that convention in San Antonio, uh, the Celebrity Fan Fest, only ask Ben Affleck about Mallrats Mm -hmm. and Jersey Girl. And that's it. I thought you were going to ask him about phantoms. No, see, that's too ha- That's hack, bro. Oh, because I heard that was the bomb. Yes, that was the bomb. Uh, but I would also see if he would uh, record on my outgoing message him saying, uh, and I'm gonna, it's going to be rough doing this because of my throat today, but, uh, gee, well, I don't like the sound of them apples. What are we going to do? I think that's from a movie called Goodwill Hunting. That's but from I don't Goodwill know. Hunting too. Hunting season. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> so all the links to those conventions will be in the show notes, of course, <laughs> uh, as will links to uh, friends and power listeners of the show and the soon to be named network at soon to be named network dot com, soon to be named network dot dot com, where anytime any of the folks on any of these shows or have the shows or the shows come out or whatever it is. Now, there needs to be something that we could put up on the site that says, no new show this week of X. Oh. But I think it's just better if we stay positive and just say, hey, here's a show. Longbox Heroes is here. Longbox Heroes After Dark is here. Profane Argument is going to be here. And, boy, they're they're recording that on Tuesday night, so that's going to be a humdinger. Uh, Puzzle Warriors 3. Fresher and Parlance made a surprise return uh, a week or so ago. Uh, Podvocacy, of course. No episodes this week. I think uh, Jessica, Jason's girlfriend, threw his modem in the garbage mm. on purpose because she was sick and tired of him running some sort of podcast shanty town out of their home. <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> the podcast Kroger scam. <laughs> oh, it's a it's a meat opportunity, Todd. It's not a scam. <laughs> it's not a scam. No, it's not a scam. It's an opportunity. There's no way. There's no pyramids involved at all. <laughs> right. Their model is uh, trapezoid. <laughs> That's right. We trapezoid every time we do it. <sighs> so, uh, also over in the show notes is uh, links to the digital sales and freebies. No new freebies this week, but a bunch of sales going on. Uh, I would be remiss not to mention they are calling it a Deadpool classic sale. Uh, <laughs> you could buy a bunch of old Deadpool stuff, but then there's like a whole bunch of like weird stuff in there they're doing a good job with the crossovers i have to doff my cap at them uh because not only included in there is like the trades with the single issues and this is one of those rare sales so the joe kelly deadpool run the first 20 some odd issues probably up to 30 issues are some of my favorite comics of all time right but they do a bunch of crossovers with stuff like single issues here and a single issue there they're all included in the sale todd like that super expensive Black Panther issue? The super expensive Black Panther issue number 23. It's in here. The Daredevil Deadpool annual. When, like, for whatever reason, in, like, 99, 2000, uh, Marvel was like, none of our co- characters are popular enough, popular enough to float their own annual. Let's double 
you know, let's put two people in an annual and hope that works, right? Mm-hmm. That's included in this. Uh, something called Baby's First Deadpool Book, which is also in here. Deadpool Encyclopedia. Or Deadpoolica Encyclopedia. My apologies. Mm-hmm. If you do not buy any uh, book in this sa- in that specific sale, I recommend buying that one. I may buy that one just so I have it like at my fingertips at all time. Right. That- the only question question I have is is any way the uh, is Batman Year One or the Dark Knight Returns in this Deadpool sale? No, that's at the other company. I was just checking. I figured they, you might be mad that that's not over here yet either. No. Um, also, Marvel is having a sale on their dark or their Marvel Knights stuff. I guess it's the anniversary of Marvel Knights. Uh, again, a good, really, uh, a good crop of stuff in there. Uh, you know, the Daredevil stuff by Kevin Smith. The first trade by Bendis of Daredevil is in there. Uh, when they did that Marvel Knights 4 book, which is a very controversial book at the time, if you remember. Not so much nope. of its content, but more so of uh, how it shipped, why it shipped, and all that sort of stuff. Don't remember that at all. Okay. So, uh, let me remind you then. So, okay. uh Mark Wade was coming on Daredevil. And at the same time, they had this other uh, writer and artist coming on Fantastic... Mark Wade's coming on Fantastic Four. They have this other writer and artist coming in on Fantastic Four as well. And there was controversy of who was going to be the actual real, like, numbered, like, the continuing the actual print run numbers. Right. Even though now it doesn't matter. Now it doesn't matter because everything just gets folded into itself. Mm -hmm. Um but it was a big deal because it was like flip-flopping back and forth of which one was, which one wasn't, so on and so forth. And it, I remember it being like a big deal at the time. I don't. Sorry. That's all. I remember things. Uh, conspicuous by its absence in the uh, Marvel Knight sale is the uh, the Punisher where he's an angel. That's my favorite Marvel Knight. <laughs> Conspicuous by its absence. The Marvel Knights Returns. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, uh, in the big sales, of course, DC is having a sale uh, on Grant Morrison-related stuff. Oh. And somehow, yet again, <laughs> I think the streak is at three weeks in a row now. No Batman Year One. No uh, Dark Knight Returns. I know Grant Ooh. Morrison had nothing to do with those books, but come on, why not put those out? Right. Grant Morrison. It's not like he has anything coming out soon, right? <laughs> not, well, again, it's not on my pull list. Mm. Uh, but I will say this, other stuff to purchase. Go purchase Wii 3 from this sale. That's a really good story. I'll admit that. That's one of my favorite stories, and it's a Grant Morrison story. Mm-hmm. Uh, go purchase uh, what they call here the you know JLA Volume 1, um, the thing with the White Martians. I think it was called the New World Order. That's really good. Yep. Uh, Aztec, the ultimate man. I think you. I think for, bang for your buck, you get the most. I think they have the full run of that book, which I think was thirteen issues, and it's yep. six bucks. And then that folded back into JLA later. Right. It's it kind of spun out of JLA and then folded back around. Uh, there's some good Grant Morrison stuff that you don't have to uh, scr- uh, give the old noodle a scratching while you're reading. You know. Is uh, Kill Your Boyfriend on there? think this is more superhero 
even though Doom Patrol and the Invisibles are in there. What? No Sea Guy? Sea Guy's in here? Ugh. I mean, yay. <laughs> Kill Your Boyfriend is in here as well. Kill, or not, would, is not, is not in here. My fault. Is not. Kill Your Boyfriend is one of my favorites. Oh, That's no, it like, is. Here it is. Here it is. It's, it, it's in like a different section of the trades. Like they have, right, tra- is, they have one set of trades, then like here are the hits, here's everything broken out, and then here's like and the rest. Okay, because Kill Your Boyfriend was also folded in for another trade because it was too short to make money, if you know what I mean. So it was mm. when you bought it with a physical copy, they like merged it with another story. It's like here's two Grant Morrison stories in one. Right, it's uh, Kill Your Boyfriend and Vin Maranma. Something like that. I didn't even want to give it a try. There you go. All right. So there is some stuff out there that won't scare you from Grant Morrison like it scares uh, Todd and doesn't scare me so much these days. But, you know, Mm -hmm. there was a time. So all the links to those will be in the show notes, of course. Let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Let's start with the book that we were most looking forward to coming out this week, which was Batman Secret Files number one. Yes. With uh, multiple stories. Uh, the first story in it is a four-page uh, Tom King story with art by Mikkel Janine. Do you think I'm saying that right? Yes. And uh, basically this is a very quick story where Superman comes to Batman and tells him basically I have something here that can really soup you up and make you like uh, super-powered Batman and it's up to you whether or not you do it. And then Batman reflects on whether he should or not and how, like, beat up his body is. And he ends up asking, uh, you know, in a, in a open-ended ending whether or not he's en- enough, you know, in this world as he is to Alfred. Um, I think this is a very quick story, a very touching story. But a super, this is going to be a super important story down the line. Right. It was, uh, you said silver kryptonite, right? Uh, I didn't mention what it was. I think it was platinum kryptonite. Right. Okay. Right. I remember it was, yes, yes, yes. All right. So, but I do think the thing that he leaves him and as you know, Batman's considering using it. Um, I do think this is going to be, this is Chekhov's kryptonite. If you know what I mean, Joe. Yes. It, it's, it's going to come back. I do believe. This is going to be used at the end when the, when this whole storyline it comes to a head and Batman has to fight everybody that Bane has like you know used to bring down the Bat. He's going to use it especially to fight Gotham Girl who has like Superman esque powers, and then in the end he's going to use the secret gold kryptonite that he keeps around the house to rid him of the superpowers if you know what i mean he'll be like yeah no i'm not staying this way i'm going to you know give myself the powers and then take them away but there is no way you you give something like this in a tom king story that's not coming back what's your take on that uh i felt that part of it was too short Mm -hmm. uh obviously yes it is going to be a big thing probably that's like two stories from now right I think it's going to be around issue 100 when it starts closing in, like around there. Look, I th- I wouldn't be surprised if you see Alfred pick it up. Oh, that would be interesting. Go save him. Right, I could see because there was a little. It was a little heavy on Alfred's stuff in that story, even though it wasn't a super long story. Right. Uh, it definitely seemed as though this was going to explore the relationship between the two. Right. Or. 
what if uh, Catwoman gets it at some point to save him? That would be interesting as well. I could see that being a thing that happens uh, on top of that as well. Gotcha. Uh, but other than that, you know, it was a bunch of stories uh, about Batman. Any of the other ones stick out to you? Uh, the one that really stuck out to me was the uh, Detective Chimp story. I I really like that one. The other ones I thought were were okay. Like, you know, that's what you're going to get when you get a Secret Files or one of the anthology books. But it it was a cute little uh, nod to, like, you know, the detective chimp comes to Batman and, you know, he's going to – they're going to do a case together. And he thinks, you know, that Batman's embarrassed by him. And in the end, it gives some, like, it gives some gravitas to detective chimp when he goes to bat for – for a young criminal where Batman would, you know, want to bust him up and send him off to jail where because of the relationship he has with the criminal's uh, father, he's going to go to bat for him and takes, you know, a big one, uh, uh, takes a big bullet for him literally. And it's cool to see like Batman interact with detective chimp and they're the two world's greatest detectives. So, and I've always been a fan of Tom Taylor. I like every once in a while I, I read something from him and uh, I really enjoy it. So I like that story. Uh, what about this one or any other ones jump out to you? Uh, it was good. Like I said, it was nice and light uh, reading, but the thing that upset me the most was I didn't get those actual secret files things. Like those two, those two page spreads where you get like the height, the weight, the first appearance, the who's who's, on, basically. The who's who's, yes. That's I what think... I was hoping for in this, and I was a little sad I didn't get it. My expectations were not met, but it was still an enjoyable read. I honestly think they're trying to get away from those, because they've never done a who's who since... I remember there was who's who's, the original 26-issue run or whatever. Then there was, like, a four-issue mini... And then like another four issue mini, and occasionally they do like a Legion of Superheroes who's who. If it was a big enough group, a Star Trek who's who, which was wacky. And then do you remember when they did the loose leaf who's who? So you could put them in any order you wanted with the three ring binders. That was Marvel who did that, or was it DC? Deep Marvel did that early on, but they weren't as uh, detailed. They would just have the turnaround picture. You know what a turnaround is, right? Of character designs. Yes. Okay, so they just have the turnaround on the front of the Marvel one, and then they would just have quick information. They wouldn't have, like, an origin or, uh, like, they'd have, like, a ton of description of it. But DC later on put them out uh, with big oversized – they were big oversized uh, three-ring binders with uh, the, the description. And then they have, like, just a – like, it was a pinup on the front. Those were really cool, and they did – like I think twelve of those or sixteen of those, and then there was an impact spinoff. There was like two impact issues, uh, but after that, they've really never done those again because I think they they cement continuity too much when when stuff gets I almost cursed there when stuff gets <laughs> revamped when stuff gets revamped too much. Do you know what I mean? I do. Like, where it's like every four years you're rebooting the whole universe. So to have an ironclad who's who description of, you know, origin and stuff like that, um, they don't want that anymore. Well, I think the real reason for it is because the internet. It's like, so easy. Why it's print so that when you could just have a website 
like a website or a page, whether you curate it yourself as a Marvel or a DC, or Wikipedia exists and you have a bunch of people who spend way more time doing this stuff than any one of us, anyone who works for these companies or et cetera, uh, where they just comb over this stuff with a fine-tooth comb and, you know, why spend the money to print Mm -hmm. and publish and deal with all all the other stuff. It's just like, yep, here's a website. It's all there. Right. It'll be obsolete in two years. Oh, just print control, like copy all, delete, you know, and then write in what you need. Right. So. But yeah, so I I, I tried the new secret files. I hoped for, uh, you know, those profile pages. I didn't get them, but it was still an enjoyable story. It goes in with uh, my Batman stuff because it has the little bit of Tom King stuff up front. Like Todd mentioned, it's probably going to be a big thing in the future. Right. Uh, so the other book I think we both read this week was Tony Stark Iron Man number five, written by Dan Slott, with art by Gang Hyuk Lim. Uh, so I don't think we've talked much about the Dan Slott run on Iron Man here. Right. I think we might have talked about the first issue, and that's it. Since then, um, the first four issues have kind of been like a loose thread of Tony kind of rebuilding his empire, as it were, as he's come back from the dead, and they've got the sleeper agent working there. Right, being controlled by the controller. Right. So, again, it's a loose thread there, you know, they're kind of one-and-done issues, like you have the one thing with the fight with Fin Fang Foom, you have the episode, or the episode, the issue with the dating app thing, so, you know, you could read them in and of themselves, and then this issue is the return of Tony's long-lost brother, Arno Stark. Uh, he's just as smart as Tony, uh, but maybe twice as dangerous, maybe? Right, and he was originally in, like, an iron lung type thing, so he was stuck, like, just his mind thinking, and now his body's healed and he's able to go out into the world, and he just goes nonstop trying to, like, you know, do things because he was held up for so long. Right. If I'm correct. And he's trying to help people. He's trying to save people. He's doing arm transplants. He's taking multiple calls, trying to fix multiple people's problems all at the same time. It's not as overt uh, as one would think, but it definitely seems as though this is the beginning of Dan Slot setting Arno up as the villain of his run. Or if yes, I'm I'm thinking eighty percent villain, or something else. You know what I mean? Like where it's going to be the red herring that he's the villain. There's a small chance of that for me, but I get what you're saying. Right. See, and again, I don't want to spoil the book too much, but there was a very much monkey's paw sort of analog to a lot of the stuff that he was doing for people. Mm -hmm. Which seems to be less of, I can't figure this out, so you're going to get the best that I could do, but more so of, I can do this, and because I can do this, I'm going to give you what you want, but with a twist. That's right. I'm I'm going to... I'm trying to be real vague, because I don't want to spoil it, because I really like this issue. It was. I I don't want to spoil it either. I'm going to meet out, literally meet, no pun intended, Uh justice out, but my brand of justice. Right. Like, I'm going to fix your problems, but it, I, I get what you're saying. I don't want to give too much away. It just seems like he has his own code, which is slightly different from Tony's. So right, but I, I could definitely see a, a thing how you're saying, well, not so much the red herring, but he is going to be, and I say maybe villain is too strong of a word, he is going to be positioned as Tony's direct adversary. Right. 
And I remember he is actually, we're coming in on the actual year of 2020. Wasn't he like the Tony Stark or the Iron Man of the year to the far flung future (laughs) 2020, Joe? Yes. So I, you know what? I get to see Arno, the, the, the 2020 Iron Man. I don't think I'm going to make any of the 2099 characters, but it's cool to see this because I love when they, they date something and they're like, yeah, we'll never get to that. Oh my God, we're here. (laughs) You know? I think someone was mentioning uh, last week was the uh, 30th anniversary of They Live, mm-hmm. and I think that took place in the far-flung future of 1996. I forget what I was reading, too, and it was like the movie. Oh, it was just, just random things that uh, Cherry 2000, the movie with uh, Melanie Griffith and other stuff. Do you remember that movie? Yes. And that took place in the far-flung future of 2017. And I was like, I want to watch that movie again. Because, you know, that was only last year. Yeah, watch They Live instead. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Maybe that's on my list of movies. But I've been enjoying Dan Slott's run on uh, Tony uh, Tony Stark Iron Man. I'm a Dan Slott fan. And this uh, was the first issue to really let me know what he's setting up on the table for this. And I'm excited to see where this goes from here. I'm an Iron Man fan, too. I like when he writes characters about, you know, heroes who are billionaires who have these big companies and everything. I like when he writes stuff like that. But anyway. yeah, I'm glad he's getting a chance to do that. Yes, me too. He's never done it anywhere else. And, and to even further hammer home your point about uh, Arno Stark's future, the title of this story uh, that he did is called 2020 Vision. Oh, that is C? Mm-hmm. Look at me go. Dan Slott's no dum-dum. He knows what he's doing when it comes to these con- these fun, fun books. It's almost like he knows the continuity. Like him, Mark Wade, Kurt Busiek, some of these guys got deep pockets when it comes to like these continuity memories. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. It's Even me, I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. I, oh, my God. I completely forgot about that. So that's, that's cool. And I know they've done it before. And we're going to get into everything else in the show, but all these tangents. You mm-hmm. mentioned your Dan Slott, your, your Kurt Busiek, your Mark Wades, and stuff like that. And I know they all have their field, or fields, uh, plural, of expertise, right? Right. I wonder if a convention would ever try to do a thing to try to get like those types of creators together mm-hmm. and do like a quiz show thing with them. I remember Mark Wade doing a quiz show, but not against other creators. Right. It was against other, like, super fans, and it was specifically about Superman. Yes. It was like, what was Superman's social security? Number? Right. And it was, and it was like pre-crisis Superman stuff. Yeah. Which is, which is still, you know, 46 years of comic books. That's because <laughs> they change everything every four years and don't have who's who's anymore, Joe. <laughs> But that was back when you would just do whatever you wanted in comic books and it didn't matter. Or, like, at least to the people making the comics, it didn't matter. But to the people reading the comic books, it mattered. And then the people reading the comic books became the people that made the comic books. And the stuff that mattered to them is not going to matter to you. Mm-hmm. Just slap an imaginary story on it. And <laughs> it's all good. Not an imaginary tale. <laughs> That's right. Remember those? I do. Oh, I miss that. Anyway. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday, usually around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, 
listen to After Dark this week to see why things were delayed. Uh, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally. And I do have to put a caveat in here. They, uh... Deadpoolica Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Deadpoolica is not included in a, as a single issue in that sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is included in like, I think like trade number three of it. Uh, the single issue of that goes for $75 and up. Oof. <laughs> I can, I can't imagine. I, my copy is like, it might be held together with tape. I don't know. It's, it's, it's held together with, with positive thoughts. Yes. It's a, it's, it's, it is such a great read. And I went to check to see, I might have to buy the trade that it's in just so I could read that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, whether you get your books in, uh, print digitally, whether you're getting multiple Omnibuy this week, whatever it is that you're doing with your comic books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out so you have enough money. You've given enough blood, so you have enough money to buy your books this week. Ugh. The two things that Todd and I are doing, one, calendar year 2018 is the list of how much we've spent on comic books this year. Uh, Todd's ugh should tell you uh, who spent the most this week. And also, <laughs> of course, keeping track to see uh, if the other can guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I'm still in the lead with five correct guesses as we are in the home stretch the final two months of 2018. Mm-hmm. Now, we typically don't include reprinted materials and things of that nature because uh, you have that absolute uh, Transmet coming out, and I'm sure that's a pretty book. It is, and it only counts towards the money thing, so that's why I put it in the list. If it had new stuff, one of the absolutes coming up, I think it might be an authority one, mm-hmm. has a whole new story. Oh. I, would, I would consider that counting. But a lot of them, these they're just the reprints, so there's nothing extra or new or special. Gotcha. So I'm we- actually sh- shocked. I would have loved if Warren Ellis and uh, Derek Robertson got together and did a new story for the last uh, third, you know, volume of it, and then that would, you know, definitely fall. That would definitely be the thing I was looking forward to most. Apparently, Warren Ellis is too busy making Dracula cartoons for Netflix. That is true. Uh, so I think the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week, Todd, is Dead Rabbits number two. It is not the book I'm looking Ooh, forward to. Ooh, okay. The book I'm looking forward to most is Auntie Agatha's Home, Agatha's Home for Wayward Rabbits. Oh, okay. Keith, Salty Keith with a new book? I can't wait. I hope it does better than Vex did, Joe. <sighs> I hope there's a shout out to Vexed in this. Me too. Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Is the book you're looking forward to most, Auntie's Agatha's Home for Wayward Rabbits, number one? It is, yes. Uh, as Todd mentioned, Salty Keith uh, doing a creator-owned book. Uh, the the write-up on this, uh, Anthony, uh, Aunt Agatha's Home is in Danger, run by the titular Agatha and her niece, Julie. The shelter cares for damaged and dysfunctional rabbits. It's now being threatened by a wealthy businessman who will stop at nothing to tear it down. Oh my goodness! And again, it's a uh, it's the return of critically acclaimed writer and raconteur Keith Giffen <laughs> to create her own work. And I threw in the ra- the raconteur part. Mm-hmm. And uh, art by Benjamin Roman, who I'm not familiar with, and the only image credit that I see here for him. Uh, is that uh, Auntie Agatha's 
says that he does books like I Love Halloween and something called The Cryptics. Uh, mostly he is a concept designer for video games and statues. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting pull there, pun intended, uh, for the artist on this. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, reading new stuff from Keith Giffen. While you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out everything that we have done. Uh, I'm getting word through the old Citizen Band Radio that the fancy gentleman himself is looking to change things already with At Odds with Wrestling. And you can find out whatever that change is going to be over at longboxheroes.com. I'm too cheap to buy a separate URL for that show. You can check out past pull posts, past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. You can check out the 2017 Smash Sensation. Todd and Joe have issues. You can go back through the uh, archives of the... Uh, After Dark's this year, the soon-to-be-named movie club thing. I'm still getting people privately contacting me saying how good the uh, Repossessed episode was. Mm-hmm. And just remember, when they do the special edition Blu-ray where they get the cast back together, just make sure that there's a thank you to me and Todd on the box. That's all I ask. I would love that. And 100 copies each for us to sign and sell at conventions next to our, oh. our VHS copies of Navy SEALs. <laughs> That's uh, You know what? That would be great if uh, we did. We got invited to cons. That would just, just sell our repossessed. And then when they put out the – I'm shocked they haven't put out the Blu-rays of some other movies but that we've done. But I won't go into that. All right. Uh, also, while you're over there, you could purchase a shirt, a sticker, a pin with our fancy logo on them. Uh, holiday season is coming up. Really turn some heads at the Thanksgiving dinner table by wearing the sticker, the pin, and the shirt together. Oh. Lots of questions will be raised. The trifecta. What are you doing with your money? <laughs> Do you need help? <laughs> Blink if you understand what we're saying. Call the police. <laughs> But if you don't want any of those things, of course, you could purchase anything to your heart's content through our Amazon click-through. Same thing coming up. Holiday season is upon us. Get your holiday shopping done early. Christmas, uh, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you're shopping for. Or if you just want to buy yourself something nice, do that. A uh, little light, light week this week. The notable purchase this week is a book entitled Radio Flyer, 100 Years of America's Little Red Wagon. Mm. And Todd, I'm not sure if you knew this, but I was the first person ever to say on a podcast, that's my wheel wed wagon. Really? Yes, first person ever to say that. And also, I was the first person ever to say on a podcast, I don't think so. Yeah, no. (laughs) Okay. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? (laughs) Yeah, we did. Okay. From super contributor, uh, Euronymous sent in another, uh, Kelly Williams piece that he has. He says he has a bunch of them and apparently he does. And it was a nice little remark in a, uh, self-published book called Devil's, I don't know if the, the dark, cause it was chapter three, the Devil's Gate. Um, but, uh, a little remark by Kelly Williams. It looks like a severed head dripping blood, but I'm not 100% sure on that. That's what it looks like, would you say? That's what it looks like to me as well. Okay, because you were mad at me when I got the whole Evil Dead thing wrong, so I don't want to mess up like that again. And also, I had a, uh art attack this week, and I had an Aaron Lepresti Wonder Woman head sketch that I got in my sketchbook. It was at New York Comic Con, and I did not know... Um, 
that he was going to add as much color as he did. First of all, the the picture doesn't do it justice because I can't do a good picture with my phone. Sometimes you get shadows and the paper should be more uh, white and the colors in the face should pop a little more like a, a flesh color. Um, but I was really happy that he was like, Oh, I'll do a, a sketch with some color, but I, he gave me way more color than I thought. And Aaron Lepresti is, Literally, like one of my favorite, if not my favorite, uh, Wonder Woman artists over the past, like over the course of forever. Uh, when he did that run with Gail Simone, like even though after a while I kind of checked out, I was that was one of the few books that I was buying just for the art. And I am just a huge Aaron Lepresti fan. Uh, I would have liked to got more, but a head sketch will do. It, it scratches that itch, as me and Josh always talk about, like art guys that we want to get for. So I enjoyed it. There's another podcast I listened to that talks about scratching that ish, but but it, that's about wrestling action figures. Oh, okay. I don't want to know about that. I just want to know, know about art and itch, itch scratch. We should have beat them to the punch and had a shirt that says that on it. They already have it, so we can't. Oh, uh, well, we, well I, that's right. Once a shirt is printed, no one can ever steal that. That's correct. Right. Especially in wrestling at, era stuff anything because nobody steals anybody other's stuff in gimmicks in wrestling right and the other thing i want to mention about your sketch from aaron lapresti mm-hmm. i want a video of him uh drawing wonder woman's hair it does the, it's very swoopy the more i look at it the more i'm fascinated and want to know how he did that um with probably a Copic or Copic or however they say it, marker? No, I know, I know, I know, but I want to see, like, the motions that he was doing with his hand. Like, I'm fascinated by her hair and that that, that art. Right, and I'm wondering, I'm guessing the white lines aren't white left. He probably came in with a white marker to do that. That's what I'm talking about. I wanted to see, you know what I mean? That That's the process I want to see. I do, I do have to admit that, and I do uh, really appreciate the little smirk that she has. She has a a Mona Diane smoke, uh, uh, smirk on her face. Like um, instead of Lisa, Mona Diane smirk. I love, I love it. I love this piece. And I'm looking on, the, I'm looking on the old Twitter machine. How, wh- where do we live in a world where I have more Twitter followers than Aaron Lepresti? Go follow Aaron Lepresti. He's a really Ex- good artist. Exactly. And you want to see some beautiful artwork? Some like he posts oh my like goodness. The stuff that he does at conventions and stuff like that. And like I said, I wish I, like, he literally just put up a Khaleesi, uh, from Game of Thrones. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at a Shadow Lass. I'm looking at a full color Wonder Woman that he did. Listen, mm-hmm. compared to Aaron Lepresti, I suck. Go follow, unfollow me and follow him. Mm hmm. I demand it. Uh, I, I think you should. Oh my God, that Shadow Lass is ridiculous. I know. Oh my God. Woo! All um, right. Sorry, I'm. I could go down this rabbit hole all day, but all I'm right. out. Let's get into TV talk here, unless there's anything else that we need to keep as part of the main part of the show. Uh, any football talk? Nah, you know the picks and pickums are what they are. That's right. <laughs> we got seven right last week. It's week ten. The Raiders were mathematically eliminated 17 mm-hmm. weeks ago before the season even began. That's right. The Raiders aren't playing football. Oh. They're just out there running around killing grass. That's it. I've still got a stranglehold on a 46th place. I haven't fallen to the second page yet, so I think I'm, <laughs> I'm all right. Oh, nobody wants to be on the second page. That's right. That'd be shameful. 
So let's get into T. Well, we bid you adieu if you don't care about Legend Tomorrow, The Flash, or Doctor Who. Bid you adieu. See you next week. Thanks for listening to episode 423 in the books, longboxheroes.com, soon to be named network.com. And we'll give you a little bit of a pause so you can break, and then we can get into uh, our discussion of TV stuff. Mm-hmm. Where would you, Todd, like to begin? Let's start with The Flash. All right. So, uh, The Flash has stuff in regards to them trying to figure... So, of course, The Flash. Three stories going on at the same time. Your A story, your B story, your C story. Your A story is the uh, new meta, as they call them in the show, Spin. Now, she's new for the show, yes? Spin, I I think she's new for the show, but I'm pretty sure she's a character from the comics somehow. Okay. Uh, so she has a power where through her phone, uh, she could send messages to different things. And if you read that message, you will do whatever it says. Like, you know, if you if you say, become J. Edgar Hoover, you're going to become J. Edgar Hoover, right? Right. And just pop, what, what just popped in there, Ray? Anyway, so there's your A story. Your B story is Ralph, a.k.a. Baby Giraffe. <laughs> and Sherlock Wells, a.k.a. greatest character on TV. Uh, Sherlock. <laughs> Sherlock Wells, attempting to figure out, uh, you know, more information about Cicada. Uh, Wells has his way of trying to figure things out. Ralph has his way of trying to figure things out. And then eventually they will meet. And then uh, what was our, like, our C story, I guess, would be kind of melding everything else together. Because we get a little bit more of the reveal as to why Nora uh, hates Iris, or is mad right. at Iris, or is cold to Iris. Right. And I just want to say that Spin was a character that it was in the Flash comic created by Tom Payer and Freddie E. Williams II, um, who was uh, just named Arbok and was a reporter and everything, but completely different. Like, had a costume and had, like, a, a TV face it was weird. It was very weird. But gotcha. uh, so I, I was I don't think they were around much. And that's why I don't remember them too well. But go ahead. Uh, so and then I, what was the C story? You know, like I said, was everything kind of melding together and getting reveal about Nora and everything else like that? I thought this was just a fine show. I uh, didn't care much for the villain. The villain was more of a tool to further along the Iris Nora storyline. Right. Uh, I'm enjoying the interplay between uh, Ralph and Wells. It's a new character for Wells to interact with. And Cisco's just not in this episode. It's like, oh, he's home because he's sad this episode. Mm. And more so, uh, as it was pointed out to me when we were at the comic shop this past week, but I saw the news that uh, the actor who plays Joe West, Jesse Martin, is actually mm-hmm. taking time off the show. And over the last couple episodes... Uh, it's been a lot of him just sitting or standing, right. leaning against something, you know, like not doing a lot of moving around. Mm-hmm. And, the Charlie Sheen. Right. And apparently over the break on the show, he suffered a debilitating back injury, uh, but decided to film what he could to kind of include his character in the show to be written out. Uh, obviously, I would assume something is going to happen to put him somewhere and take him off the table for the second half of the season. Uh, you know, our 
Thoughts go out to him. I like Joe in the show. I think he's one of the more underrated characters on the show, and you don't want to see anybody get hurt. But uh, kudos to him for sticking it out and hanging in there to get whatever shots they can of him while uh, they got him. I agree. I, I wish him. I wish him well. I hope his back feels a lot better. I just hope he appears in newspaper clippings in photos in the background for the rest of the season. Hmm. Like when that person like uh, found the Joe Cicada. Uh, yes, Cicada was like. Now he just shows up in all these pictures. And the other thing that I would like to say is for Sherlock Wells, um, once again has the face of a wanted killer and he's just wandering around drinking coffee and walking around central city and going so, to the, going to the, the, the place where Cicada works. Right. Just like, and like talking to people and asking them direct questions. Exactly. Now we did have the Wells who had the face thing and maybe he has one of those, but I would like it explained every once in a while as because a reminder, the, as a reminder. Right, just because of the fact, and I don't know if, and I I don't bring this up as a joke, I really don't. It's just one of those things that you established way back in season one that the wells that that, uh, Eobard made himself look like, so he was technically Eobard, he did all those murders, confessed to killing and murders, and he's, you know, because he died, he's still a wanted man, so all these wells who pop up, you know, they should be scared. I'm just, I don't know. It bothers me in the stupidest way. And every time I see a new Wells, I love all the interactions with any version of the Wells. It's just like, come on. You, you, you have to mention it once in a while. I, I know you want to brush it under the rug because it makes it easier. But that's the, I don't know why. It just, it just aggravates me every time I see a Wells character. Right. But I guess the main crux of this, and we'll get into the Iris and Nora stuff, because I think that was a little bit stronger of the stuff in the episode. But we learned that from whatever that meteor shower was that the thinker created at the end of last season, uh, not only did it turn people into metas, now things can become meta as well. Like Spin's phone, which had a giant novelty case on it that no one would actually have on their phone, and Cicada's dagger. Right. Which I think is an actual chunk of the Star Labs uh, satellite, because it says Star something on it, like Labs. And I'm guessing because they lost their satellite when it exploded because the Thinker took it over. So I'm guessing that's what the, the, the dagger is made out of. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm in, I thought it was an interesting and had a few reveals, but it didn't move the story along too much other than finding out the a story that uh that the iris put a damper in excess Nora, mm-hmm. and she didn't want her to have powers and she felt uh excess felt that she, the uh iris had robbed her of her like you know of having powers for years until she ripped it out of her body or whatever i'm kind of interested to see where that goes because that's a big you know, thing to do to someone. And I do think like it's, I think it would be bad storytelling for Iris to not have a good reason. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like it would make her a villain if it's just like, Oh, I just didn't want, I just wanted to protect her and didn't want her to die. You know what I mean? It's like, no, like you did something pretty, you know, nasty to someone. You better have a really good reason. If you have a good reason, I'll let it slide. Right. But she says, just like how you said, I don't know why I would do this. I must have had a good reason why I did this. And then Barry's like, well, I agree with your mother. And I'm like, ugh. 
uh, there are people that we know that constantly tell us that Iris is the worst. And right. I, I will defend Iris to a point. This is where my point of defending Iris is done. What, because she dampened Excess's powers? Yes. Okay. What if they come up with a really cool reason why? No. Okay, so you're you're done then. There's no there's no writing out of this. Hmm. There is, but it's going to be tough to convince me otherwise. Ah, okay. That is all. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to Doctor Who. Okay. Uh, this is the Saranga Conundrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, I think, Doctor Who on an episode of the 60s Star Trek show. Okay, if and, you say so. And there's a little critter that's running around. Uh, a ping. It's what? A Taping. A Taping. Yes. Uh, that they just ripped off from the Saturday Night Live sketch about super happy fun ball. I don't know. I didn't I don't know what that is. Remember when they read all the different things that you shouldn't do with uh the 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 Taping, the to sing, whatever it is? Yes. There was a skit from the early 90s on it was super happy fun ball, all these kids very excitedly playing with their super happy fun ball. And then the rest of the commercial, which was two minutes long, was all the things that the <laughs> Super Happy Fun Ball does or shouldn't do. And it's like, mm-hmm. pregnant women shouldn't handle Super Happy Fun Ball. Do not taunt happy Super Happy Fun Ball and all that sort of thing. Gotcha. And I don't know. Talk to me. This was the weakest of the new episodes to me. Well, I really like this episode. It was the classic, we're trapped in an enclosed space with danger, Joe. I've only, and I mean this in the, in the most positive way possible. This is only like the 32nd time I've seen this plot on Doctor Who because you really, it was, oh, we're on a submarine. Now we're on an underwater base. Now we're on a satellite. Now we're on a spaceship. Now we're locked in a hotel. Now we're, and I'm like, I don't care. It, to me, it works, but basically, um, I don't know. I really like the episode. I like the, the, the Taping. They saved some of their money from the spider episode to use for the super cool, uh, matter eater lad villain <laughs> that the creature was. Um, and there was, and the, in the, they were hurt scavenging for parts on this planet by a sonic mine. So they were taken from it by this ambulance, basically is the best way to call it, spaceship, going back to this hospital. And while they're while they're going back, they get attacked by this creature who's the Taping who can eat anything but organic stuff. And we meet the doctor, the nurse, well, a doctor on board the ship, a nurse, and some of the patients that, that are there. And in the end, they all have to either band together or work to help one of the patients and save the ship. Uh, from the mean medical people who want to quarantine it if there's something wrong and blow it up. So would you say that's pretty much the plot of the episode, Joe? Yeah, sure. I think a lot of it was, you know, for me at the very least, you know, I'm still getting used to who all these new characters are, like the companions, I guess. Right, which is something I actually wanted to touch on really quick. That the the companion. This is a different version of the Doctor, and it and it shows me that he she has not called them companions once. She continu- continuously uses the word friends, and I have no problem with that, but that is definitely her quirk about this doctor is completely different because they were, they've been historically known as companions, and the doctor's like me and my friends, and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. 
that she keeps calling him that, to me at least. I know that wouldn't be new to you in any way, shape, or form, but I kind of like it. Right, see, to me, uh, whether she calls them companions or not, I only know of the Doctor having a companion or companions, so that's what they are, whether she calls them that or not. I agree, but it just seems like the Doctor has been kind of distant, like in past iterations, Mm -hmm. and he would always just call them, he wouldn't call them his friends. He would call them his companions. Gotcha. And this is just a slight difference, and I'm cool with it, you know, because each Doctor is different. And then go ahead. the other thing is, with all these people on the ship, and like I said, it's a knockoff of an old, like, Star Trek episode, and if this was a different time or a different world or a different whatever, this certainly would be a backdoor pilot for whatever this would spin off of. What was the Torchwood River song? What was the Doctor Who spinoff? There was a Torchwood spinoff. Uh-huh. There was a Sarah Jane Chronicles spinoff. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think if there was any other. Uh, there was a, a spinoff called Class. Uh, and I think that's about it. Uh, they try to... A Sarah Jane spinoff years ago, and it was called Sarah Jane and Canine and Company. That that was only one episode, and that didn't go anywhere. Hmm. So they've they've tried a couple, right? I, I just, this just felt like the way that they were introducing all of these characters and their interplay with each other. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see that this was someone's backdoor pilot. I would see that, but it wouldn't be the patients because they'd all go their separate ways, and then all you really had left was the nurse. Who, because everybody else, you know, like the other, the other doctor, EMT, whatever, got killed. So what you're saying is this ship would have a whole new crew, maybe, or something? Right. It would just be like, oh, like we introduced this character. Here was his interplay with his sister, and now we get the new crop of people that are on this ship. Right. We've established how this ship works. We established what the relationship is. We established that he's lost his sister. You know, spoilers, whatever. We're in that part of the show. And now here's these adventures, and maybe they'll cross over with the Doctor again in another day. Maybe they won't. Right. But I get of, you. of the new season, this season that I've been watching, this has been the uh, weakest one, at least for me. See, I liked a lot of the stuff with uh, who's the 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 young the younger guy companion. You'd know better than me, being the real Doctor Who fan of the show. Um, cause there's, there's Graham, there's Yaz, and I can't remember the other companion's name off the top of my head, but he had the problems they've been setting up that his father left and they give his backstory now of how his mother died and he's helping the pregnant male. And he's, I like that little bit, the humanization of like, you know what he, his father kind of left him, and he's going to do everything he can to help this guy not give up his baby. You know what I mean? I just thought that was a a nice little thing while all the crazy, frantic, you know, spaceship alien stuff is going on, that there was some human stuff to it. Ryan. I had Ray on the mind, but I knew it wasn't Ray. So I had to Well, there's a reason you have Ray on the mind. Uh huh. Uh, So, again, I think that's enough Doctor Who talk. Fair enough. For me. (laughs) So you haven't tapped out yet? For all of us. No, not ta- one one uh, not knock my socks off episode isn't going to send me streaming for the hills. I don't know. It could. You mm. you have a full schedule of stuff to do, Joe. I do, but uh, the last episode of It's Always Sunny is on this week, so. That'll free up a half hour for you? That's correct. Right. Um, last but not least, Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> uh, the Legends, your A story is the Legends go to... 70s London, 
the punk scene and uh, Ray, through a series of misunderstandings and buffoonery, ends up being the wheel man for this punk band that has some sort of magical something around them. Your B story uh, is Nate being a pencil pusher, a desk monkey back at the Time Bureau, and mm-hmm. uh, expanding his friendship with uh, Gary, who I'm very happy he is getting more and more screen time. <laughs> Gary is the breakout character. He is a delight. <laughs> right. Uh, every time that he's on screen, I smile. <laughs> yep. Just he, just him grinning just br- warms my heart. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. And this is another one. As I mentioned before, what's more of a crime, Todd? Mm-hmm. The fact that Aaron Lepresti has less Twitter followers than I do, or the fact that the actor who plays Gary, Adam Tshekman, has less Twitter followers than me. Oh, my. I think it's the Tshekman. Yeah. I really do, because as much as I love Aaron of Lepresti, comics are more niche than, like, a giant T- a CW TV show. Mm-hmm. Like, he should have tons and tons of followers. And then the, what, the uh, C story would be John Constantine going to see his mother. And his father. And his father, who mm. I want to discuss the John Constantine stuff, because as I was dropping some Jonah Hex knowledge on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on, I'm a big John Constantine fan, and him, all the stuff that they mention about him is so, like, on the nose in the comics, but it's just time bumped a little forward, because when you were, when I was reading Hellblazer back in the day, when, when Alan Moore introduced him in Swamp Thing, and then he got his own book, he aged yearly in Hellblazer? Oh, yeah, because there would be the annual issue where it would be his birthday. Birthday. And then he'd hit 40, and then he hit 50, and it was really good. And he was actually in a punk band in the 70s called, and they, Mucus Membrane, and he mentioned it in the, in the episode. And he actually did at birth, you know, his mother died in childbirth, and his father became an alcoholic jerk and was abusive to him and blamed him for it and never let him forget it and all this stuff. And, I'm like, all the little bits with John, I, it was perfect. You know what I mean? Like, me knowing all these things. And I'm like, you've hit all the beats. And I, I really loved it. And he went back to give him the Manchester Mangler. And the back alley vasectomy, he was going to end up, you know, kicking him in the in the nether region, so he'd never be born. And I just, I just that whole bit of him meeting his mother and and Z coming to to keep an eye on him and getting that backstory, and then Z giving him the picture. I just love everything about John in this episode. So. Right, and there was the time paradox that was set up that he wasn't able to do those sort of things. That time itself would stop him from doing that. Right, because you, you can't come back and do it if you weren't born. Mm-hmm. Now, just as a side note before we get into everything else, I also want to mention the interactions between Gary and the delivery girl that showed up, uh, Mona. Right. Uh, one, she will be a recurring character. Of course she will. And two, she's a voice in the popular video game Red Dead Redemption. Oh, is she? Mm-hmm, she is. Oh, cool. Do you think she's a, do you think she's a bad thing or a good thing in this episode? Not a bad, like a, do you think she's going to turn up being a villain? Like she's, you, a, think, you think she's going to be a heel? Yeah, I think no. so. I think she's just going to be Gary's love interest. So getting back to John, uh, you mentioned about all the stuff that they pulled from the comic books. 
I want you, Todd, and any of the uh, listeners of this podcast who watch Legends of Tomorrow, to go back and watch the first two episodes of the season, and then watch this episode of the season. John's hair is a little bit different in this episode than it is in the previous two episodes. Okay. Because his hair finally grew into the John Constantine style by the time they filmed this episode, and the previous two episodes, he was wearing a wig. What? Are you saying there was wigs on episodes of Legends of Tomorrow? I'm I'm saying, Todd, I'm repulsed and disgusted that he, they actually sprung for a good wig in the first two episodes of this season. Oh. But were but they make-up? His right. hair is, like, a little bit lighter in this episode than it is in the previous two episodes. It's, like, a little bit more uh, thickness to it, right. I guess, would be the best way I could say it. Right, and it doesn't have that neon Crayola color? Right. But where they lack in John Constantine wigs, Joe, <laughs> they make up in Corgi wigs. <laughs> Corgi had a mohawk, Joe. And I'm sure they didn't spike the dog's hair and, and dye it. They just made a tiny wig for a Corgi. Fantastic. Now, I don't know if they still do DVD box sets, and I know I've probably <laughs> asked this before, but if they do DVD box sets right. of Legends of Tomorrow, and there is a disc of special features that has just a featurette on all the wig work, I'm going to get a Blu-ray player just so I can watch those. Right. You know what? You don't have to buy one. You can come over to my house and we'll plug it into my Blu-ray player, Joe. We'll just, we'll make it wig night here at the house. Oh my God, it'll be fantastic. Let's see. We're on season four of the show, right? Right. So there would only be three box sets so far. Well, here it is. Blu-ray, complete box, uh, complete third season. You can get it as steel for 28 bucks. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Mm-hmm. I'm getting down to the, I, I need to get, now see, it just says, Special features includes a Comic-Con panel and then inside the crossover with the the Earth-X stuff and a gag reel. No no wig reel? No, no wig reel. (laughs) Or real wigs, Joe. (laughs) You have your wig reel and your real wigs. (laughs) Now, I I have to just say this here as well. There's other podcasts that do this, but it, it never fails. Um, there is a delight to be had from going to, uh, bad movies on Amazon and reading the five-star reviews mm-hmm. or going to great m- movies or TV shows in this instance and reading the negative reviews. Right. So there are currently only nine customer reviews for this season. F- uh, eight of them are five-star reviews. One of them is a one-star review. Oh. The one-star review is... Uh, well, it's it's just titled, This is Terrible. Well, this is the fourth time time I've reviewed this item. The first three have been removed by Amazon. (laughs) This show is extremely political left-leaning. If you don't believe me, just search for why it is on Google. Bottom line, it's a terrible show. Leave politics out of comic books and let, let it be about comic books. Also, if my review is wrong, then why are people saying the same thing on the Amazon video version of this? I don't know. Maybe he's got a point. He or she has a point. Mm-hmm. Now, multiple people found this helpful, but I disagree with that gentleman. He's wrong. Uh, 
Legend of Tomorrow continues to be my favorite TV show. So we find out that the band, the the uh, the punk band that they're going to investigate in the seventies that is changing time, that there's a that there's a shapeshifter involved, which and, John thought was the Leprechaun, right? But it wasn't. So they end up they end up finding out that it's a shapeshifter, and the shapeshifter through a series of events, uh, they found a picture of Ray with the when they were in their disco outfits from a few uh, last season, and Vixen's there, and she she changes into Vixen the character. Uh, the shapeshifter, and that's when John decides to use his powers to take away her shapeshifting. So we have the actress who played Vixen, but playing the uh, shapeshifter magical character, who really Ray has a point when he's like, we're going to send her to hell for just pulling a few pranks and, you know, do it. like she hasn't, like the, the fairy godmother tried to murder us. And rain fire down in Salem, and the unicorn murdered a couple of people. Like, but she really hasn't doesn't any, hasn't done anything. So I did like what they did, and now they have the conundrum of Ray, who's in, not Ray, uh, who's Steel character. Nate is in love with the Vixen character, and they can't bring him back on board because she's stuck as the 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 guy the girl he's pining for. So there's a lot of interesting parts going on. And while this is going on, like you said, Gary and Nate are becoming time bros and he gives him a plant that turns into a like monster running around the time bureau. And I think the best thing they could have done with that is not show the fight and just show the goo on the walls. A la uh Bones Cow Race, the great cow race. Like it's no matter what they were gonna do it's not going to be as funny as what's in my head. So I, I really like this episode. I liked it too. Uh, Legend of Tomorrow is the strongest. I would have been against Ray, and I would say kill her. Uh, yes, she just pulled some pranks, but she did impersonate Ray, steal his armor, and attempt to kill everyone. And if it wasn't for Ray, she possibly could have killed all all of the rest of the legends, and there ain't so many left of them anyway. Yes, but I would disagree with that. Because if she wanted them dead, she ended up zapping uh, the first two people, didn't kill them, and left the room. And then they were trying to stop her or the shapeshifter. And you could just say that I didn't kill anybody. I just incapacitated people and I was trying to escape in the race suit because they would have just grabbed me as a shapeshifter. I can shape... I could sh- change my shape, but I don't have any superpowers to go up against this group. So she really didn't. She defended herself from people who were trying to send her to hell. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say she didn't kill anybody? Listen, when you're a legend, man, just kill them all and let uh, the time bureau sort it out. Gotcha. Okay. I see how you are. You're not going to, you're not going to argue the facts. You're one of those hippy dippy types. Gotcha. That's true. That is true. But anyway, Legend of Tomorrow is great. You should all be watching it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it'll be around for a while because I hear it's taken a slight dip in the rating since it moved. Nah, I don't, I don't go in for that rating stuff. It's like the polls. You can't trust them. Right. I saw something that said 57% less people watch the Daredevil Season 3. I didn't watch any of Season 1 or 2, so I don't know where How? that dip is coming from. Mm, I think the dip is you. I think I am the dip, to be honest. Yes. 
All right. Anything else to cover? Anything else to discuss? I think that's everything. As I've made a mess for myself here today. <laughs> yes, you're good. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening to episode 423 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! What is that song? Is that a song I know? No, it's my song. Oh, okay. Hey, so it's week 10. We week got s- 10! We got seven right last week. Oh, shit. Seven, that's pretty good. We're getting... Savage! Right. Savage. Seven, like you. So, Savage. let's go through the picks. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. And say them loud in a clear voice. Steelers. Buccaneers. Chiefs. Bills. Jaguars, Lions, whatever the top one is. Saints. Saints. Titans. Falcons. Chargers. Oh, Rams. Dolphins. Eagles! Giants. All right, that's it. We're done. What do you want to do tonight before uh, I have to podcast? Before we do anything. Right. We're going to clear up this. All right, he's gone away from the mic. Thanks, everybody.